Ladies and gentlemen, your discretion is advised because it is time for lockdown. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition for Brace for Impact. I am the Impact Player of WrestleAttic Radio, Nate the Effing Great. And this is quite the show to be reviewing because it's kind of a roller coaster of a show. And looking at some of the numbers that they have for this, 900 people attended, had a 45,000 buy rate, and it kind of looks like a lot of people seem to like the show. I have some differences on this show, but I will definitely talk about them throughout the show as we talk. There's going to be a lot of exhibition forewarning you guys going into this show because, as I've mentioned in recent podcasts in the past, I did Destination X 2006 as my first episode, so if you want the details of that show, go back to that, and you will definitely see a bit of an evolutionary change since then. My grading has definitely been a lot different since then. I've tried to simplify it a bit more, and it's definitely been really amazing to see how the company has grown since the start of their inception back in 2004, as far as pay-per-view goes. And it's really cool to see them continuing this momentum. And 2006 is definitely one of those peak years for TNA at its best. And it kind of does start here, but I will say that there are also some bumps in the road. But we will talk about that, like I said, during the show. This, of course, took place... On April 23rd, 2006, in Orlando, Florida. Gonna get used to that, you guys. It's not gonna be until about a few more months where you will see TNA taking it out onto the road. So we start off with a very serious and a very dark opening package where they talk about how your discretion is advised based on true events. They are really hyping up the world title matchup, the X Division title match, and lethal lockdown. Christian Cage, like I said at the end of the episode previous, had the line of, are you prepared to die? Because I am. I'll talk about that more going into the world title matchup. The X Division title match, we have Samoa Joe taking on Sabu. In Lethal Lockdown, we have Jeff Jarrett's army taking on Sting's Warriors. So, with that being said, welcome to Lockdown, ladies and gentlemen. We kick things off with a six-man tag team match, and a lot of people have made it out to be a preview of the World X Cup that will be taking place in the near future. I'm actually going to be watching... I've been watching a lot of the... World X Cup matches more frequently going into Sacrifice. So I'll definitely be talking quite a bit about that in the future. We have Team Japan, Black Tiger, Minaro Tanaka, and Hiroki Goto taking on the team of Sanjay Dunt, Jay Lethal, and Alex Shelley. Tiger, Tanaka, and Goto representing Team Japan, along with their team captain, Tushin Thunder Liger, who does not really make an appearance until Sacrifice. And then we have... Team USA's Sanjay Dunt, Lethal, and Shelly. They are headed up by Team Captain Chris Sabin. We have Team Canada as well as Team Mexico. Team Canada headed up 
by P.D. Williams, and Team Mexico headed up by Shocker. Talk more about the World X Cup in the next show. Right now, we're getting a little bit of a preview for this. So, there is a lot of tension between people in Team USA because Alex Shelley is not exactly a team player when he gets from there. He's definitely very self-centered. He's very cocky, but he's also trying to make himself look good. Uh, there's a lot of promos where we see him just, you know, giving Lethal a lot of grief. And not for good enough reason. Just one of those things where he feels like he's a mini Kevin Nash, I would definitely say. But we get Shelly and Minoru trading offensive moves at the start. Shelly hits a Spagingo back body drop on Black Tiger, as well as a Hurricane Rana. Lethal is able to get a hip toss and drop kick onto Goto. Team USA, they do this really amazing triple team deal in which they have a wheelbarrow and then a double knee to the face, or as people know as the co-breaker. They hold them in that position and then Sanjay does a springboard lion salt onto the back of uh, Goto. That was a really cool triple team move. And I saw something like that in the trios matches in AEW. I would be more invested in that. That was just absolutely awesome. Alex Shelley does a abdominal stretch and Lethal does a drop kick. Shelley with a neck breaker. And then an aided uh, senton by Sanjay Dunt to Tiger. A suplex and knee drop by Tanaka to Sanjay. Team Mexico, they're watching on. You have members of Shocker, Magno, and Puma watching on the rampway. Japan hits a triple drop kick onto Sanjay Dunn. I was literally like, wow, they just looked like they caved his face, and it was looked amazing. Uh, Goto, he hits a hip toss and then a single leg Boston Crab. Sanjay's able to get an advantage by hitting a Hurricane Rana onto Black Tiger. Lethal with an arm trap neckbreaker and then a second rope leg lariat. Tiger hitting a running knee. A Saito suplex to Lethal by Goto. Team USA hits a triple corner attack onto Goto. I believe it was a corner splash, leg splash. And then we see Goto get hit with a suplex by Lethal and a frog splash by Shelley getting a near three count. Inseguri by Shelley and then a bridging German by Lethal. One, two, Goto's able to kick out. But then we see... Sanjay hit a standing shooting star on Goto just as he kicked out. Uh, Tanaka hits a cross arm breaker on the Lethal. Lethal does a flapjack to Tiger, to Black Tiger. Uh, Tanaka hits a huge drop kick on to Lethal. Shelly hits a wheelbarrow face buster to Tanaka. Goto's able to hit a leg style kick to Shelly. Sanjay able to hit an insecurity to Goto. It looks like he's going to hit the. Uh, I think they call it like the Hindu press. No, the Hindu press is the move there. Uh, maybe it's the Sanjay cutter. I can't remember exactly what they were calling it. But he goes for the Salido del Sol onto Goto. Goto's able to counter it. Sanjay does a go behind. Goto ducks. Shelly hits a super kick onto Sanjay, taking him out inadvertently. Uh, Team Japan takes control of this with Tiger, Black Tiger hitting a Tiger suplex onto Jay Lethal to give Team Japan the early momentum and the early win here in this Super X Cup build-up match here. 
Honestly, I give this one an A. It was a really good matchup. There's a lot of fast-paced action, but some really good tag team maneuvers in here. And not too much of the way of utilizing the cage. But it's one of those things where I think that even if they took away the cage, it would still be a great matchup regardless. But no, this is a great way to open up the show, and I loved it. So they do a match rundown of the card. And then we get into a backstage deal where they show the lockdown action figures for TNA. And then they go on to JB talking to Team 3D, where they introduced their third member of their anthem match. It's Brother Ray, Brother Devon, and it's formerly known as Spike Dudley. It's Brother Runt. Why they couldn't have called him Brother Spike, that is beyond me, but eh, whatever. So... Basically, the matchup here with Team Canada and Team 3D is not about titles. It's about pride. It's about respect for the for your colors and for your country. And Brother Ray makes a comment where he says, I would rather go work for the WWE than hear the Canadian National Anthem again. And Brother Devon just is like, dude, tell me you're kidding me, right? And then <laughs> Brother's just like, yeah, I was just ribbing you guys. <laughs> we get the classic, you know. Thou shall not mess with Team 3D. Oh, my brother, testify. So Team 3D is done. And Larry Zabisco, he runs up to JB. He's like, hey, I heard there's this announcement going on here from upper management. Do you have any idea what it is? JB's like, I don't know. So that's a running theme here where Larry Zabisco is trying to figure out what's this announcement, what's going to be happening here. Basically, probably trying to figure out if his job is safe. But we do get a bit of an answer later on in the show. So we're going to the next matchup here. We have Christopher Daniels taking on a mystery opponent. And for those of you that are kind of wondering when you were listening to the Destination X deal, you heard that Christopher Daniels had won the X Division title. Well, ladies and gentlemen, during an episode of Impact, Samoa Joe got his rematch for the X Division title. And it is literally one of those matches where they did not even wait for the start of the show. They were already going into it immediately when the broadcast started. So it was kind of a unique way to start the show where it was about maybe a third, maybe less of the way in, but it was just like, boom, they're already going. And Samoa Joe actually regained the title from Christopher Daniels with an island driver from the top rope. For those of you that don't know, that's an Emerald Fusion. That looked brutal. And... That's why Christopher Daniels is no longer the X Division champion. So, in this matchup, of course, Christopher Daniels, like an opponent, and we find out that the opponent that he's going to be fighting is going to be Senshi. For those who might not know, that is formerly known as Loki. And for a lot of people that don't know, modern people today may know him best as Cabal from NXT. But Senshi is... A unique character for Loki to transition into because he's basically turning into almost like this Japanese cast style uh, kick Muay Thai fighter kind of deal. It's a unique transition to say the least, but he is going to be a staple in the X Division going forward into the future. So keep that in mind. So this is Loki's return to TNA, the debut of Senshi. Uh, he goes hard early on on Christopher Daniels. He's hitting strikes early. Like I say, he's going hard on Daniels. Daniels hits a leg lariat to kind of 
get some momentum. But then we get a flapjack by Senshi, some yes kicks, a gut buster, uh, this really amazing strike move that he does where he kind of contorts his leg a little bit and then he just grabs his heel and then drops it down on the back of his opponent. It's really hard for me to describe via a podcast. Uh, definitely look up some of Senshi's or Cabal's moves and you'll see the kick that I'm talking about. It's, it's really cool. I actually really love that move. From there, we had him going into a camel clutch style move. He hits a suplex. We had a chop off between Daniels and Loki. Senshi. And there's even Senshi, uh, Loki chants going on during the show. I guess they're not fully adapted to him being uh, Senshi yet. They're still calling him Loki. A sunset flip attempt by Daniels is countered by a double foot stomp by Senshi. That was. One of the best counters I've seen. He goes into a side bear hug on Daniels. An Insiguri by Daniels gives him a little bit of momentum. Daniels hits a suplex into the cage. And then an STO onto Loki. A blue thunder bomb. We get a lifting face buster style move by Senshi. And then a shotgun drop kick into the corner. Daniels hits a beautiful Death Valley driver that literally looks like Senshi got dropped on his head. He hits the BME for a near three count. Both of them are fighting on the top rope. Uh, Senshi's able to counter an attempt at the Super Angel's wings from the top rope. He goes for a double foot stomp from the top, but Daniels is able to move out of the way. and hits a reverse STO. Daniels going for the Angel's wings, but Senshi counters it into a backdrop style move. He keeps his arms clenched together. Referee is counting the one, two, three, and Senshi is able to actually get his foot on the second turnbuckle to give himself a little bit more leverage. Senshi picks up a victory over Christopher Daniels. I gave this matchup a B. There were some spots that looked a little clunky, and maybe there were some spots where they kind of took it a little too slow. But for the most part, I thought that this was a really great showcase for Senshi. I liked how they made him look like a really hard-hitting striker. Daniels did not look weak in this matchup going in or coming out of it. And yeah, no, it was kind of one of those matches where it's like for the second matchup on the card, this was not bad at all. I really liked it. We get a backstage segment in which we have the James gang and bullet Bob. They are talking about the arm wrestling deal that bullet Bob and Conan are going to have coming up next. And Bob says that his name screams Conan every single time he walks on it and feels pain. I thought that was actually a really nice delivery of the line. And really is kind of one of those things where they made this feud really, really personal. Uh, how it ends is that they talk about how the losing person, the losing team, this arm wrestling deal, they get whipped with straps 10 times. And then Kip James makes a moment where he says, you know, my mama said that I was such a, such a strapping young man. And I'm just like, wow, this this is this is comedy. So we go into Bullet Rob Armstrong against Conan in an arm wrestling matchup. Now, this is actually a rematch from Impact because Bullet Bob and Conan actually got into an arm wrestling deal, but then there was interference that caused this not to happen. And one thing that is a bit of a change is that they are no longer 
Conan, Homicide, and Machete. Machete was actually kicked out after losing not once but twice on pay-per-view. And he was replaced by Supermex Hernandez. So this is where we're getting the OG LAX of Homicide and Hernandez. Hernandez made his debut during the arm wrestling deal to take out Bullet Bob. And the rematch was set for this deal right was for this event right here. Conan. <laughs> Conan actually really found a way to get everybody to hate him. He actually says that everybody in the arena is a loser and that this is going to be unfair because he's got a hurt knuckle because he was punching some old night Lando punk asses to which I'm like, Oh my, that's a good line. That's a good line. I, I actually really like that. <laughs> um, the arm wrestling deal, they have Hernandez, Homicide, Kip, and BG James on the outside of the cage, lock the cage in. So it's Conan and Bullet Bob in the ring. They do their arm wrestling deal. This is more of an entertainment aspect deal. We see uh, Conan in the victory. He's like, yeah, yeah, I got you, old man. I got you, old man. And then as soon as Conan's in the event, he's like, no, 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 please, man. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And then it just kind of goes back and forth for Maybe a couple minutes where he's like, yeah, yeah, I got you, I got you. No, 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 no. Conan is the reason why this is actually really entertaining. So, Bullet Bob pins down Conan, wins the arm wrestling deal, and it looks like LAX is going to try and leave, but they can't. Because if they do not fall through with the 10 lashes from the straps, then they will be suspended. So... Conan basically is telling everybody, all right, fine, let's do this. Let's get this over with. So we get one slot, one lash, two lash. Uh, Homicide is just overselling these lashes here. There even comes a point where he gets so pissed, he rips off his belt from his own pants. <laughs> and BG, as soon as the belt gets flung at him, he's like, oh, thank you for the second strap. So they're going for the third lash. And BG is just taking his time with this. He is just about ready to go, you know, one, two, and then on three they would go. But just before he says three, you hear a snap. Turn over, we see Kip with a bit of a grin on his face. And you hear BG actually breaking character. He goes, Billy. And Tanae's like, that's Kip James. <laughs> that was funny. So, and then Kip James is like, oh, oh, oh we're supposed to. Supposed to go one, two, three, then hit, not one, two, three, bam. That kind of deal. We don't we don't hit on three. We go one, two, three, then hit. So one of those kind of deals. Uh then we see Oh, I actually had my joke here. <laughs> and it, the only reason why I have this here is because it's an uh, how I met your mother reference where Kip suffered for premature slapulation. <laughs> For those of you that got that good joke, thank you so much. For those of you that didn't, I suggest you look at Slap Bet by How I Met Your Mother, and then you'll understand. So, after this, we see James Gang. They literally just lash Homicide, Hernandez, and Conan. And BG's still holding onto the microphone. He's going like, it's four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Boat, boat, Derek. It's like, what? What? <laughs> what are you talking about? So that's how it ends. I didn't even grade this, you guys, because this does not feel like a matchup. This felt more like a segment than anything. This 
th this is not worthy of a grade. So you're not going to get a grade out of me for this. I'm I'm not going to dignify it with a grade at all. Go backstage. We see Planet Jarrett's or Jarrett's Army, as they corrected me on that. They are ready for a fight. You have America's Most Wanted. You have Jeff Jarrett, and you have Scott Steiner backstage. They're ready to go. And Larry Zabisco's trying, you know, to get some information from Jeff. And Jeff's like, I got bigger things to worry about. You get the hell out of here. And everybody has their moment to shine, including one Scott Steiner, where he literally, <laughs> this is his first pay-per-view promo. And I'm already in love with this because literally all he goes is that he is ready to beat somebody down. He's going to hurt people. He's going to hurt people. He locked me in the cage. And he just screams out, so I'm ready to snap. <laughs> Look at Scott Steiner's the best. Look at what anyone says. All right, next up we have the escape match in which six individuals will be fighting inside of a steel cage. Four people will be eliminated by pinfall or submission. And then when it gets to the final two, win is only by escape. You have Elix Skipper, Petey Williams, Chase Stevens, Shark Boy, Puma and Chris Saban in this matchup. Now, the reason why Chase Stevens is in this matchup is because Andy Douglas was actually taken out by Scott Steiner just to kind of build up. You know, Scott Steiner is a big time deal, and he is a big time deal. He's big Papa Pop. He's the big bad booty daddy. I digress. So that's why Chase Stevens is in this matchup. He was just kind of thrown in there. Shark Boy comes in with a drop kick and a knee face buster to Petey Williams. Petey Williams is able to throw him into a cage. Shark Boy is able to get a bite in a corner. Shark Boy hits a Hurricane Rana and a Frankensteiner and a missile drop kick onto Puma. Skipper hits a spin kick to Shark Boy. Shark Boy is able to hit a Stratisfaction style move off of the cage. And what I mean by that is that he has him in the headlock. It looks like he's going to try and bounce him off of the ropes, but then he's able to bounce himself off of the cage, and then he hits the uh, bulldog from there. Skipper, he nails this. Oh my gosh, this was such an amazing athletic move. So, Shark Boy is down. Skipper runs the corner. He does a headstand on the top turnbuckle, and then he twists his body into a leg drop. That was so cool. Shark Boy is able to hit a top rope side rush and leg sweep to Skipper. Petey Williams hitting a Canadian Destroyer on Shark Boy, who did not tag out at all. Literally was in there throughout the entirety of the deal. And Shark Boy is eliminated after the Destroyer. So I'm going to say this right now as a side note. It's an A quality effort to Shark Boy for hanging in there for as long as he did. Dude was amazing. Saban hits a drop kick onto Petey Williams. Petey Williams tosses Saban into the cage, and then he hits a beautiful Tornado DDT. Saving with an insecurity to Petey Williams. We get Chase Stevens in the matchup. He's just cleaning house, hitting everybody. Petey decides, hey, I'm going to hit you with my Canadian Destroyer. And Chase Stevens is like, really? Picks him up. Boom. Alabama slam counter. Beautiful. Skipper hitting a sudden death onto Puma, which is like a spinning side slam kind of deal. Stevens goes to the top of the cage and hits a shooting star press. And this is a scary moment because... When he comes down, it looks like he barely gets anybody. It looks like he lands on his face on the ring. That just... 
That was a scary spot. Skipper picks up Stevens and hits an air raid crash onto him for the elimination there. Everybody's teaming up on Chris Sabin. P. Williams gets a pinfall on Skipper as he is trying to pin Chris Sabin. By he, I mean Skipper. And this was kind of interesting because it was supposed to be Skipper and P. Williams teaming up against everybody to make sure that they were the only two left in the match. But P. Williams is like, yeah, no, screw that plan. Then we see... Oh my gosh, this is cool. So, P.D. Williams hits a powerbomb onto Puma. Then he catapults him into Saban, who hits him with the cradle shock. And Prince Puma... Nope, not Prince Puma. Yeah, nope, I can't say Prince Puma. It's just Puma. Puma is eliminated after the cradle shock by Chris Saban. Saban, he goes for a powerbomb onto P.D. Williams... P. Williams is able to counter it by using the cage for leverage, and he hits a leg drop on Saban's neck. We see the two of them fight to the point where they're on the outside of the cage, just basically a race down. Scott Demore grabs the legs of Saban to try to get him up, to try to prevent him from falling. Petey Williams and Saban they fight off against each other. Petey Williams drops down, and Scott Demore is unfortunately at the spot that he was going to drop. So. Scott Demore has P.D. Williams on his shoulders. Saban drops down and wins the escape match. I gave this one a C. Other than a couple of really good spots, there was not really much you could say about this. There were a lot of moments where it was just bam, elimination, bam, elimination, bam, elimination. It just went very fast. Uh, but like I said, A quality effort by Shark Boy at the beginning of this whole entire deal. But everybody else. I feel like they could have been given a little bit more time. That's just me. So we get a backstage segment with James Mitchell and the Monster Abyss. And honestly, this might be one of my favorite James Mitchell promos that he's done. Mitchell has been waiting to waken the monster that is inside Christian Cage. And I'm going to try and remember this guy's name because I really loved this uh quote that he had uh friedrich nietzsche i believe his name is uh german philosopher he once said that while hunting for monsters be careful that you don't become one yourself that i thought was a really good line and to be honest the way that they build this up i can understand that he's questioning christian cage as a champion he basically asked you know would a champion leave to go film movies you did, because that's how you roll. Would a champion leave his wife all alone? You did, because that's how you roll. Would a champion allow himself to be beaten in his own home? You did, because that's how you roll. He literally is taking the catchphrase of Christian and just making it into something where it's an insult. I loved that. I thought that was really cool that he just twist the narrative on that. He's basically guaranteeing that Abyss is going to leave the NWA World Heavyweight Champion at the end of the night. All right, we get into the X Division title matchup. Samoa Joe defends against Sabu. Now, there's a little bit of story behind this, but not too much. As I mentioned before, Samoa Joe, after losing the title to Daniels in the Ultimate X match at Destination X, Samoa Joe regained the title from Christopher Daniels. Uh, but before getting that, 
Larry Zabisco said, hey, I'm going to ensure that you are going to have some more competition because you have defeated basically everybody in the X Division. So I'm going to bring somebody outside of the X Division to give you a challenge. And who that person was going to be? None other than the suicidal, homicidal, genocidal, death-defying Sabu. So that is basically how it's built up for this. This is basically Samojo's first challenge of somebody outside of the X Division since coming into TNA, which I think that's kind of cool. They're really trying to help him kind of branch out with that, but also keep the fact that he is the X Division champion in there. Uh, some of the X Factors here, 10 months, never been pinned or made to submit. That's really cool. Uh, the X Division is all about no limits. And like I said, Larry Zabisco wanted to find somebody outside of the X Division to challenge Samojo. So we get that. Sabu comes in. He's got a cast on his arm. How they said it happened was that Sabu suffered, I believe it was some kind of uh, broken deal with his arm in a match in Mexico. So that's kind of why he has his cast on. Uh, but Sabu goes on the attack right away. He tries to do a chair. That doesn't work. But then he attacks the knee and he locks in a camel clutch made famous by his uncle. Samoa Joe responds with some strikes. Sabu responds by flying the chair into Samoa Joe's face. Samoa Joe getting back up and striking him again. Uh, there comes a point where Sabu gets busted open. He's in a corner. Samojo's beating him down. The cameraman gets close enough to him, and Sabu literally just pushes the camera out of the way, and you just hear him just say, get the fuck out of here. So I was like, wow, that's a little bit much, Sabu. Samojo hitting his classic chop, kick, and knee drop. Sabu hitting a chair poetry in motion. An Arabian face buster by Sabu, not quite able to put Samojo away. Then we get a chair-supported springboard leg drop by Sabu. Tries to use a spike that seemingly, I think, popped out of his... Uh, cast i want to say and samojo is able to ensure that he doesn't get spiked in the eye counters it into a cross arm breaker sabu hitting a drop kick samojo able to hit a cutter from the top rope he misses a second knee drop sabu goes again to utilize the ropes after launching himself off the chair sabu, sabu gets caught by samojo who tosses the chair in his face Samojo hits the muscle buster on Sabu for the win. And that's the match. Samojo retains. Yeah, this um this was honestly disappointing because I was expecting a bit more from these guys. Honestly, I don't even think it's I put in my notes, this is not even Samojo's fault. I gave this matchup a D. I really find it hard for me to get behind this matchup. It's just a lot of hardcore spots and only some of Samoa Joe's classic deals. So I said that the main reason why this is so low is not even Samoa Joe's fault. I definitely do put more of the blame on Sabu for this because there was just not much interesting into this match. Had they gone maybe a little bit further, Maybe it would have been fine, but the main thing I remember most from it is just Sabu cussing at a cameraman, shoving away and saying, get the fuck away from me. But 
that's about it. Yeah, that was that was a thing. So we go backstage, and Team Canada, they are reciting their national anthem of Oh, Canada. Uh, JB mentions that Team 3D had some strong words, and <laughs> Eric Young, he literally is just like, he said, strong words? But we're, we're like, like big and big, big, big strong words? <laughs> He's trying to make it seem like these words are going to just attack him. I'm like, what are you doing, Eric Young? This is awesome. Rude basically states the fact that they are going to win tonight's anthem matchup. Gamora said that he is tired of the Team 3D spiel in which they're like, oh, we're coming, we are the greatest team of this generation, and we're going, and we beat, you know, won the title 17 times. And then he has, like, actually a really good line where he says, you know, you may have won all those tag titles, but there is one title that you have not gotten the chance to beat, to win. That's the NWA Tag Team Titles, which... My boys have won countless times, which I'm like, okay, that's a good burn for Team Canada. That's good. And Larry Zabisco, he's basically trying to tell Scott, he's telling Scott Demore, hey, man, give me help. Do you know anything about the management deal? And Demore literally says, you know, I might know something, but I'm not going to tell you. And ends up by saying that, you know, you have been burning everybody in the company since you've been here. So I think it's about time that we see you get burned yourself. So good luck, buddy. We move on to the next match, which is the Anthem match between Team 3D and Team Canada. Interestingly enough, you guys, if you are looking at the TNA Lockdown showing that they have on YouTube, they actually do not have the promo for that on the YouTube deal. They have it on Impact Plus, but they do not have the full promo history between Team Canada and Team 3D going before the matchup. They kind of just cut it a bit. And I can't imagine why, though. That's the thing. So how the hype package goes is that Team 3D had a matchup against America's Most Wanted for the tag titles in a steel cage. Team Canada cost them the matchup. And at the end, Team Canada actually buried Team 3D underneath a Canadian flag. Two of them, as a matter of fact. So they knew that they needed a little bit of help, so they got Brother Runt to join the fray, and Team 3D is a whole entire big family again. Although, I would actually love to see Brother brother Big Dick come back. Although, maybe it's going to be Big Richard or something like that. I don't know. So, we have this anthem match in which these teams are fighting to get to the other side of their ca- of the cage where their flag is, and they just have to retrieve the flag. At the end of the match, their anthem will play. That is literally all it is. No pinfalls, no submissions, no DQs, all that kind of shit. So, we get a brawl between everybody just to start. Team 3D came out in like this kind of camo face paint. Well, Brother Runt and Brother Ray did. I don't think Brother Devon came out with that. Uh, we get a dual drop kick by Brother Runt, and this is kind of an interesting strategy because while Team 3D and Team Canada are kind of fighting with each other, Runt is over by the Canada flag, kind of protecting that, and Eric Young is over by the American flag, kind of protecting that. So I thought this was actually that was actually kind of good strategy. Runt gets thrown into the cage. Bully Ray grabs Bobby Roode, who's on the top rope, and he has a top rope bully bomb which I thought, holy shit, that was great. 
Um, we get a top rope side rush and leg sweep from Devon to A1. We see a double foot stamp to Eric Young by Brother Runt. Rude hits a spine buster onto Runt. A side slam leg drop tag team move onto Rude. Rude gets thrown into the referee, so he's down. And he also eats a 3D.2, what I like to call it, that back suplex neckbreaker maneuver. We get a double flapjack to A1. The Waza to Eric Young. Ray, he gets the flag. And it should be over, but the referee's down. And I'm thinking, oh, no, they're going to try and do the same thing that America's Most Wanted did or what they did with America's Most Wanted a few months ago. Um, they have Rude Powerbomb Runt. Excuse me. And Eric Young, he puts the flag back into the position for the that and he's just literally just like oh whew, we're good we're good scott demore knocks out a security guy that's at the uh that's at the door of the cage with a steel chair he gets a table in the ring they set up runt for that table spot eric young he goes for a dive runt gets out of the way eric young goes through that table we see runt hit the acid drop the dudley dog onto a one and then a 3D onto Bobby Roode. Ray, second time, gets the flag. Referee sees it, calls the bell, and America wins. Yay. So they hang up the flag, and Brother Ray is just going out, going, everybody stand and put your hands on your heart as we hear the national anthem of the United States of America. And as he's saying that, Coach Demore is trying to get in, and Bully and Brother Ray just socks him right in the head with a microphone, and then they hit Coach Demore with the 3D, and yeah, that's a, that's about it. Um, we do get a deal where we hear um, the fans, you know, doing the national anthem with Team 3D, which is a really nice. That is really nice. And I think it's because of a nice moment like that. I gave this matchup a C. It's not one of the more eventful matches, and it was definitely a lot more fun to watch than the exhibition title matchup. It's one of those matches where I thought, okay, this is just a weird gimmicky kind of deal, but it actually makes sense because Team Canada is proud about being Canadians, and they're really proud about their heritage and everything like that. And, you know, they have... Team 3D that want to represent America. They know that the best way to get under Team Canada's skin is to have the National Anthem play under Team Canada. So, that's kind of how that worked. Alright, so, we go into the big announcement from TNA Management. And how they do this is they have a new knockout debut for the company. And who is that? Why none other than former Playboy model as well as the 2004 Rookie Diva Search contestant winner, Christy Hemi, make her debut. And as she's coming out, they're just Mike Tanay's like, wait, is that is that Christy Hemi? Is that Christy Hemi? And Donna West is like, dude, I've got the Playboy issue from 2005, so I can tell you for sure that is Christy Hemi. I'm like, Don West, you 
You silly man. <laughs> so she gives an envelope to Mike Tanay. Mike Tanay basically tells the guys in the truck, hey, can you pitch my mic out to, to, to a lot of deals so that everybody hears what this note has to say? And basically what TNA management has to say is that they actually have gone under a investigation as well as they've gone through a couple of people that they want to make as the public face of TNA management. And that person will be announced at Slammiversary. They don't make that announcement here, but I'm telling you guys in advance. So he, the person that is the public face of TNA has two things that they want to do. First things first is that they put Larry Zabisco on probation as a member of the championship committee, meaning that he can still make matches, but I think he's going to be watched under very careful eyes for a while. And Larry Zabisco, he's coming out, and I just remember thinking to myself, oh man, Larry's just having a freaking, he's just having a day, literally got a microphone. He's like, hey, probation, probation, give me that mic, probation. He's just yelling at Mike Tanay, and Mike Tanay just has a deal where Larry Zbysko's saying, like, oh, I've done all these kind of things for, for you, Professor. Hey, I've done this. I've helped you, you know, get to the national deals and blah, blah, blah. And Mike Tanay's like, oh, that was years ago. This is 2006, for God's sakes. And the second order that the face of TNA said is to overturn what of Larry Zbysko's earlier actions. So, effective immediately reinstated to the roster of TNA is Raven. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, joy of joy. And then I look at him come out. I'm like, oh, joy. It's fat Raven. Oh my gosh. This is not, this is not, <laughs> he's gone for a few months and he's, he's so chunky. He's so chunky. He's a big boy. <laughs> he's a, fl he, he's fluffy Raven. I just, I'm sorry, and I'm watching so many of the classic deals where I'm seeing, it starts here, Raven is chasing Larry Zabisco all throughout the ring, all throughout the arena, and we see this for weeks and weeks on end, it just, I mean, I understand why, but it's funny, just seeing fluffy Raven chasing Larry Zabisco, just, or Larry, alright, um, we go backstage, and JV, Asked a question about how Christian Cage feels about his upcoming match against the Monster Abyss. And Christian, he literally has just his jacket on. He has he has he has the tights that he normally wears, but he doesn't have those like um entrance attire tights that he normally has on. He just has his jacket. He takes it off, he puts it down, he looks at JV, he looks at the camera. He puts his hand on the mic, puts it down, and he walks away. And I will say that that is probably some of Christian's best work because of the fact that his facial reactions really told the story. And I'm going to tell you guys this, going into the hype for this matchup, you can understand why he is so pissed. And for a guy who talks a lot, to literally have nothing to say, that speaks so many leaps and bounds above saying anything. So we go into the next matchup, which is the NWA World Heavyweight title matchup between Christian Cage and the Monster Abyss. Build up for this is literally Christian Cage is now the world champion. He's ready to take on all comers. 
and James Mitchell claims that Christian Cage is a thief, saying that you know he basically jumped so many people, including the Monster Abyss, to get a world title shot, and he's demanding that Abyss gets that title shot going into you know the future. So James Mitchell decides one of the best ways to really get into Christian's head is to do a little bit of stalking. So this is where I believe he hires Alex Shelley, which Shelley, shame on you for Paparazzi Productions being a stalker cam deal. He stalks Christian's wife. And there comes a moment where Christian's wife literally has, you know, James Mitchell right in front of her. She's looking to call the police. James Mitchell stops her and says, no, no, no need to call the police. You just let your husband know that we were here. And to really add just this creepy element to it, James Mitchell just grabs a little bit of Christian wife's hair, sniffs it, and he just has a smile on his face. I'm like, oh, you sick, twisted bastard. So then we see the camera pan over to another shot, guessing later in the day. And Christian, he's coming home, and Abyss attacks him. He takes him, he's just beating him down. Throws him into his pool. He just put put his head underwater. And James Mitchell has a line of, you can't win a title from a dead man. To which I thought to myself, well, no, no, I'm not, I'm not going to go that far. So it seems like Christian has just had so many of these mind games put into his head. And the promo that I mentioned earlier where he talks about, you know, are you prepared to die because I am? That is directed directly at Abyss. And we see Christian attack Abyss with a tire iron, and he says, you know, it's in your eyes, Abyss. You know for a fact that the NWA World Heavyweight Champion isn't afraid of you, and that scares you the most. And we get the final shot of Abyss hitting Christian with a black hole slam, wrapping the chain around his neck, and he's just literally holding the belt in one hand and Christian wrapped in chains in another. So that's the buildup for this. Uh, this is interesting because the entrances for this are very unique because they the music kind of gets a little wonky because when they're doing the introductions, you see the Titantron kind of go off for Abyss, but it's doing the TNA lockdown music instead until about three seconds later. Then it's like, oh, okay, here's Abyss's music. And then kind of the same thing. Abyss's music is still playing as Christian's Titantron still is going on. And then Christian's Titan music starts playing. So Abyss goes to the ramp. He's ready for Christian. And Christian just runs out and starts attacking Abyss right off the bat. They brawl into the ringside area. They brawl into the crowd. There comes a point where Christian's almost gets thrown off of the top of the balcony. Uh, Abyss does a back body drop. Spagingo to Cage into the ringside area. Cage uses the door onto Abyss. And he's just slamming the door onto Abyss's arm over and over and over again. Just to up the brutality. Until Abyss gets the advantage. He hits a corner splash. Does a gorilla press into the wall. Christian, he goes for a kill switch, but Abyss counters it and just throws him into the air to drop back down. Just always a cool spot that Christian does. He does a splash into the cage. 
He picks up Christian and then power bombs him into the cage, not once but twice. Abyss is just beating down on Christian Cage until Christian gets a little bit fired up. Uh, we get a moment where it looks like he's going to charge the corner. Abyss gets out of the way. It looks like he's going to hit the ref, but stops. Abyss comes in. Christian grabs the referee, pulls him out of the way. Abyss hits the corner, and then eventually Abyss knocks down the referee. Christian Cage leaps off of the ropes, and he hits a nice Tornado DDT. I think this is probably the best Tornado DDT I've seen from him. We see James Mitchell throw the belt into Abyss. Abyss tries to use it, but Christian catches him off guard with the kill switch, or the unprettier, depending on how you look at it. One, two, Abyss gets a kick out. Then we see Christian go to the top of the cage. He hits a frog splash on the top of the cage. He goes for another kill switch onto Abyss, but gets countered into a shock treatment backbreaker. Then we see the tax come into play. Christian Cage then grabs the cane of James Mitchell's and breaks it onto Abyss. Cage climbs up. Looks like Abyss is going to grab. Oh, no, 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 no. Before we, before we get into that. Um, Abyss actually does a choke slam to the referee. He picks him up, throws him into the cage with that choke slam, which causes Christian to almost fall off the cage. But then Abyss goes to the top rope. Grabs Christian's throat. Looks like he's going to choke slam him from the inside, from the outside of the cage inside. But Christian's able to counter it. He hits a power bomb onto Abyss in, into the tax. We get a near three count there, and then Abyss catches Christian off guard as he's trying to attack him with the title belt with a black hole slam. One, two, super close three count. Then we see more. Tax getting introduced. Christian looks like he's about to get chokeslammed by Abyss into the tax. But Christian counters. He hits the kill switch into the tax. One, two, three. Matches over. Christian picks up the victory. And honestly, you guys, I really like this matchup. I love the dynamic between Christian and Abyss. I really love the story that they told where, yes, Christian was trying so hard to beat Abyss. And he threw everything that he could at him. And Abyss looked like an absolute monster in this matchup. So I gave this one an A. This was a really good matchup. And honestly, this is my pick for match of the night. I really enjoyed this matchup here between the two of them. So Christian's going up the stage. James Mitchell is talking to Abyss. Then Christian sees that. He goes back into the ring. He wants to attack James Mitchell. But then we see Abyss attack Christian. Bust him open with the steel chain. And then we see him hang Christian from the side of the ring with the chain. And as soon as Christian's passed out, Abyss grabs the world title. Him and Mitchell leave the ring, the ring and leave the ringside area. So James Mitchell made good on his word. He said that Abyss was going to leave with the NWA world title. And he is. So... We go into the final backstage deal in which R-Truth, AJ Styles, and Rhino are backstage talking about getting ready for war and how, how TNA is Sting's home. He could have gone anywhere else, but he chose here, and we're going to support him for it. Rhino, of course, has a deal where he just talks about beating every single one of 
those guys, and he's going to make every single one of them bleed, and he's going to hit somebody with the gore. Gore. And just before he hits the third gore, Sting has his hand on his shoulder, does the, Whoa! It's showtime. So let's go into the next match. And the main event, ladies and gentlemen, it is lethal lockdown. It is Jeff's army against Sting's warriors. Story for this is pretty good, actually. We have Jeff Jarrett, of course, who had been stalking Sting because he wanted to prove that he was a quitter and that he was a loser in retirement. Sting came back to not only avenge, you know, this deal for his family, but also because he realized that Jeff Jarrett is a cancer that they needed to snip out. So much so that I'm going to talk about this. So I did mention the fact that in what basically they've been talking about Jackie Gata. So Jackie Gata was involved where she literally comes in and she's trying to, I guess, upstart this revolution against Jeff Jarrett. Then Alex Shelley decides to do a video of her and it's one of those things where they try to do like a viewing party of what did Jackie do and it's blackmail where Jackie tries to leave but Jeff Jarrett's like oh no 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 we own you you are under our name so you're going to be working for us otherwise this thing can go on the internet and we'll just see what happens so that's the whole thing with Jackie Gata that's why she's involved with this, but don't worry, you guys. We only got one more show, and then she is out of the picture. So, I'm going to do this. We're going to talk about the Lethal Lockdown matchup. And how it works is that it's basically like the same as War Games, in a way. Lethal Lockdown starts off with two people in the ring. For the first person, there is a five-minute interval. After that five minutes... That person will enter in. But then every other person after that will be two minutes. After everybody has come into the matchup here, that is when lethal lockdown can begin. And the first person to win by pinfall or submission secures the victory for their team. The order of this, we have the starting people of Chris Harris and AJ Styles. And then going from there with Jarrett's army getting the advantage at the start. James Storm comes out next, then Rhino, Jeff Jarrett, Ron Truth Killings, Scott Steiner, and we end with Sting. Okay, took care of that stuff. Now let's talk about what happened throughout the matchup here. AJ Styles, at the start of it, he misses a dropkick, but then connects with a second one onto Chris Harris. He hits a drop toe hold and then a knee to the back of the head. We see him... Get Chris Harris onto the top rope. It looks like he's going to do like a Frankensteiner or a superplex. Gail Kim is literally yelling at him. And AJ Styles, my God, I never thought I would hear this from him. He literally goes, shut up, you hooker. And the fans are like, oh, oh, shit. You got owned. You got owned. You got owned. You got owned. <laughs> I think they even started a chant of, you're a hooker, you're a hooker. I thought, wow, I never thought I would hear that about Gail Kim as a heel. That's that's kind of funny. <laughs> so we see AJ Styles hit a splash onto Harris into the cage. 
Chris Harris hits the first, hits a canatonic. He goes for a second one, but AJ Styles counters it into a Styles Clash. Earl Hebner forgot about the rules of the matchup, so as soon as that happened, AJ Styles turns him over and it looks like he's going to go for a pin. We get the one, two, and Chris Harris actually got his shoulder up. And Mike Zane and Don West are like, well, it doesn't matter at the beginning because pinfalls will only really matter at, at the end of the deal. So, obviously, like I said, James Storm comes out next. And it looks like he's going to get into the ring. AJ Styles actually swings the door open. James Storm ducks, but hits Gail Kim, which I thought, oh, very nice physical spot for Gail Kim. Gail Kim, I mean, James Storm. Spits beer in the face of AJ Styles. Then he hits the eye of the storm onto Styles. AJ Styles has been busted open from a couple of shots into the cage. A heart attack to Styles. Here comes Rhino. Rhino throws America's Most Wanted into the cage where he can bust open uh, Storm. We get a spine buster to Harris. It looks like he's going to go for the gore onto Storm. But Storm sidesteps him. Into like a drop to hold deal, and Rhino gets busted open into the cage. We see Jeff Jarrett come out, and this is where Rhino and AJ Styles, after beating down on America's Was Wanted a bit, they come in up the stage and beat down on Jeff Jarrett onto the announce table, throw him into the ring. But then the numbers game catches up to them, and they get beat down a bit. They get tossed into the cage. R Truth comes in. Ron Killings, I'm sorry. He hits a lie detector on Jarrett. He does his classic uh, up, backflip, split, kick to Storm. He hits a suplex stunner onto Harris. AJ Styles, he goes to the top of the cage. It looks like he's going to go for a splash of some kind. But we see one of the biggest Tower of Doom spots I had ever seen. We see Jeff Jarrett and Storm go up. They look like they're going to do a double suplex. We see Truth and Rhino get underneath Storm and Jarrett into an electric chair deal. But Chris Harris is the one that puts the nail in the coffin, grabs Truth and Rhino, hits it with a powerbomb. Everybody goes down. Boom! Huge Tower of Doom spot. Loved it. Here comes Scott Steiner. What can you expect from this? Uh, suplex City, bitch. And that's exactly what you get. You get a belly-to-belly -to, -belly to Rhino, to Styles, and then he does a spinning belly-to-belly to, -belly to Ron the Truth Killings. He presses AJ into the cage. Uh, a fan yells something, and then we hear Scott Steiner say, Yeah, your mother sucks! <laughs> we get a super belly-to-belly -belly suplex to Truth by Scott Steiner. A pump handle slam to AJ Styles. Out comes Sting to end this whole deal. He comes in. He's cleaning house. He hits an inverted atomic drop to Steiner. Stacks everybody into the corner. Uh... I think he has, he has one person seated down, one person thrown in the corner, uh, puts Jeff Jarrett onto the top of the turnbuckle, and then he throws Scott Steiner in the front, where his back is turn, turned to him. It, it was a really weird like stack-up deal, but whatever. So, get a stinger splash. Sting calls for lethal lockdown to begin, and that's what we get. We get some... Bats and kendo stick shots and trash can lids by the Warriors. They're beating down Jeff's army. Storm is able to kind of climb up the cage and squeeze through a spot to get to the very top of the cage where the uh, top structure is, where they have a ladder and a table. 
I'll let you kind of fill in the blanks a little bit. AJ Styles falls in after him. He goes in, and Gail Kim is trying to help out James Storm, but AJ Styles kind of stops her. Jackie comes up from behind, grabs Gail's skirt, slips it, removes it right off. We see Gail Kim's panties. Oh, hey, we're seeing Gail Kim booty. Yay. So this allows Gail and Jackie to be thrown to be you know chasing after each other. They go up the rampway, they're out of the matchup. James Storm hits the last call super kick on the styles. He sets up the table. AJ Styles grabs a chair and bashes Storm in the head. As they're kind of fighting on the top there, we see a guitar get to guitar deal between Jeff and Sting, but then Sting's like, yeah, no, I'm gonna use my bat. He breaks the guitar with the bat. It looks like he's going to go after Jeff with the other guitar. But then Scott Steiner hits a low blow onto Sting. And then we hear a punk by Jeff Jarrett to Sting, who hits him with the guitar. AJ Styles climbs off of the ladder. And then he jumps off of it, hangs onto like the support, one of the support beams that are above. And then he gets to a point where he can just drop and he lands on Storm through the table for the top of that cage. We get a stroke onto Truth, onto a chair by Jeff Jarrett. Rhino gores Jeff Jarrett. We get a T-bone style suplex by Steiner onto Rhino, and then he locks in a Steiner to recliner. Sting grabs Scott Steiner, hits him with a Scorpion Deathlock. Chris Harris knocks out Sting with the cuffs, at least that's what we're led to believe. Harris locks in a Scorpion Deathlock onto Sting, but then Sting reverses it into one of his own. Chris Harris taps out, and Sting's Warriors win the matchup here, and Lethal Lockdown. This was a bit of a spot fest deal. In all honesty, everything worked fine, but this was kind of one of those matches where I look back at it and I'm like, eh, nothing really too exciting. I think they could have switched the two matches around where it could have been the world title as the end and Lethal Lockdown would have been the build to it. That's just my opinion. But I also understand why they had it there. And it's a very uneventful main event, other than a couple of the major spots that are here. I gave this one a C. It just was one of those matches where it was majorly a spot fest, which I know should maybe give it a higher grade. But other than those spots, there was just a lot of filler and a lot of nothing really in between them. So that kind of hurts it a little bit. It's just kind of those things where it's like, okay, we got this big spot. Now let's build up to this next big spot and let's do some filler in between there. We won't do anything crazy. So with that being said, the final grading for Lockdown 2006 for me is a C. This is a shock for me because Lockdown had some potential at the start. I mean, the two X Division style matches where you had you know the super world super x cup match preview and daniels and senshi was really good and then the world title matchup between abyss and christian cage was absolutely amazing uh other than that everything else just kind of wandered a bit i know that they really heavily promoted samojo and sabu that was by far the worst matchup of the entire night the Anthem match didn't really do too much of anything. The main event was kind of a meh deal. Um, and the Escape match was another meh kind of deal. There was, there was a lot of meh in this show. 
which I hate to say that, but there just wasn't too much goodness other than those three matches. So hopefully the next one will be better. And I hate the fact that this show was kind of like a letdown, but I'm always remaining optimistic when it comes to this. So move on to the next show and quite a bit of build for this, you guys. Uh, I'll give you guys a little bit of a preview for this. So from what I've been seeing with the uh, Super X Cup, there's some really good matches that actually get put on that really kind of built up the hype going into this. The Super X Cup is the main thing that they're really focusing on when it comes to sacrifice other than maybe few other matches. Everything else is kind of, it's kind of there. But I'm looking forward to some of these matches. Uh, they actually have an interview with Alex Shelley talking to Kevin Nash, who talks about his feelings about the X Division. And he makes his you know X Division feelings well known at Sacrifice. So we'll just kind of leave that there as it is. They also have a rematch for the NWA World Tag Team titles as it's going to be America's Most Wanted against AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels. The reason why I say rematch is because on an episode of Impact, they actually had the match itself there. But due to interference by Jackie Gaeta and Gail Kim, the matchup ended with quite a bit of controversy, but America's Most Wanted remained victorious. With that, you have Sting choosing a partner against... Jeff Jarrett and Scott Steiner. And then you have the rematch between Christian Cage and the Monster Abyss. And ladies and gentlemen, three words for you. Full metal mayhem. You are going to absolutely enjoy it. I'm looking forward to this matchup, honestly. I think that this might do better than the match at lockdown. I'm looking forward to it. So, with that being said... That is going to wrap it up for this edition of the Brace for Impact show, ladies and gentlemen. I have been your host, Nate the FN Great. You can follow me on Twitter as well as on Instagram at RealFNGame. You can also check out everybody else, uh, part of WrestleAttic Radio, including Kings of the Rings podcast and WrestleMania podcast at Attic underscore Wrestle, where we will have so many of our links, including how you can listen to us. We are on every single major podcasting format that you can imagine. As well as you can check out our merchandise that we have, you guys. We have so many great merchandise deals, including t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, a lot of apparel. But we've also added a lot of other items onto the store. So you definitely want to take advantage of that. And hey, you may in fact enjoy some of the greater things so much that these newer gifts may be great gifts to give to, for the holiday season. So with that being said, you guys... I've been Nate the Effing Great. This has been Brace for Impact, part of WrestleLotic Radio. Reminding you guys, stay positive here in the wrestling world and be ready to make an impact one day at a time. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.